0: Hello, welcome to the Daily Cron for Friday, June 21st, 2019. I'm Stephen Tolton, and today I want to talk a little bit about Apple and privacy and point you to a really pretty pretty darn good article over on The Verge called Inside Apple's Walled Garden, Developers Take Cover from Silicon Valley Storms. It's by Nick Stat, it's on The Verge, I'll put a link in the show notes, and it's uh, it's kind of talks about WWDC about Apple's image, uh, how they are really pushing the angle that they are privacy focused, user focused, and that you should work on their platforms as a developer because of that, As and that they're sending a message to their competitors, especially Facebook and Google, that are really under a lot of scrutiny. But it also goes into more, it goes into some issues around the supposed anti-competitive practices that Apple may or may not be engaging in Mostly complaints about, I think, the 30% cut of sales. Uh, like Spotify, that's, I think, their primary thing. Um, also, I, I think kind of gets into, and sometimes <clears throat> Apple have private APIs they use. They don't really talk about like that, but I kind of read between the lines there. Uh, <clears throat> but I think, uh, yeah. I had some quotes by some developers, including a lot from Steve Trouton-Smith. Like, they really lean on him heavily for this and uh it's a good read actually i don't 100 percent agree with everything especially some of the quotes but a lot of it is pretty is very fair and uh, i don't always think of verge articles as the most fair articles uh especially when they talk about like apple or tech industry stuff they definitely have a perspective shall we say about these topics usually but this one i actually really like um i think it works out to be a very fair and balanced type of article for the most part. But what I wanted to bring to it is I don't want to read through the whole thing. I tried doing that earlier. Like, you know, it's going to take too long and it, it wouldn't be fair to the article because uh, you should just read it. It's well, it's well written. It's pretty good. I think it somewhat loses its way a little bit by the end because uh, it's trying to tie together a lot of disparate things. But not, it doesn't completely miss the point, though. It's, it's just not, it's maybe it could have been tighter if they just focus on the privacy angle. But they wanted to bring in some of these larger issues, which is fine. And it, um, and I, I think it, it it mostly works. So I, I like it. It's a good article. It's definitely worth a read. It has a lot of links to uh, context for some of the things they talk about here. So definitely check it out. But what I wanted to add to it is, <clears throat> I guess they mentioned this in the article, but the thing about Apple, the reason that I like Apple so much that I want to develop on its platform that I still promote their products to people who are looking for for tools that apple products you know can or you know to solve problems that apple products can then work for the reason i i still say like oh you want a new computer get a mac get an ipad get an iphone uh most of the time unless there's like a specific reason why they they you know they they need something else that's not on that platform is because apple's um motives or maybe more specifically like apple's uh apple's actual Incentives are aligned much more clearly and cleanly with my incentives as a consumer and user of their products, and that's something that I think if we've learned nothing from the study of economics, and there are many, many problems with with economics and being over overly reliant on what economists say. But I think there is one very fundamental kind of uh, truth to uh, to to our understanding of humanity uh, through uh, through economics research and psychology, is that incentives do matter. Incentives can shape behavior. When the incentives of people align, good things can happen. When they conflict, bad things can happen, you know? With Apple, their incentives align very closely with my incentives. What do I want? I want a computer. (laughs) You know, I want a good computer that does the job that I need it to do, that you know, and then on top of that, it, it's, it's build well. And, ha- you know, it looks cool. Yes. And it has software that helps me do my work that I enjoy using. That's Apple for me. That's Apple for a lot of people. Now, you can quibble about specifics of the hardware design you may or may not like. True. I mean, the keyboard comes to mind for the MacBook Pros. Although, uh, knock on wood, I haven't had that problem yet with a work computer. That's one of the older keyboards and designs like that. But <clears throat> but in general, like, you know, they offer some products, and then if I think it solves my problem, and or, or it's just something that I like and I want, then I am free to spend my money to buy it. And then Apple makes money. And then I use a product, and then I can give them feedback in various ways. I can talk on social media. I can, like, email them directly. <clears throat> they get indirect feedback by, like, unit sales, and they do probably all kinds of studies of people. Uh, you know, not <laughs> not like not like put them in a cage, study them but like surveys and and such uh, to to gauge you know responses. They look at bug reports. They get all these signals about the products they put out there in the world. Uh, they look at press. Look at all every t- all kinds of stuff, <clears throat> and then they iterate on the products, and then they release new stuff. And it's just this virtuous cycle. Where even when Apple makes a mistake, and I think at this point we can all kind of agree. That there were some mistakes made, but that keyboard design, uh, you know. Uh, but the even when they do that, they still are iterating. They still they take that feedback and they try to make something better in the future. And then they try to support their customers long term with uh, support programs and, and all that. So their incentives are very much aligned to make you and me happy when we buy their products, to keep us happy in the long term, so that we will buy more products from them in the future. And that means that their privacy focus because they don't they don't need nor want our data they don't need a bunch of personal data from us because that's not how they make their money but right? they don't sell our personal data to anybody in any kind of way or or allow it's more complicated than that but you know on Facebook and Google but it's like they're not an ad platform so they don't need that data in order to target ads so they can get you know that hyper targeting can provide you know higher prices for the ads And so the people buying the ads are the real customers. No, we're the real customers for Apple. So uh, their incentives align with us there. Unlike on Facebook and Google, where, uh, you know, we are getting a lot of value from those companies. They are offering products and services that we like, that a lot of people like anyway, and they use and they get value from. I am still a Facebook user to this day right now. I still get value from it. I still, uh, you know, I still use it. I still know a lot of people who like it and use it, but I understand you know some of the some of the the bad <laughs> business practices that Facebook does but I've always understood what their incentives were and I was willing to take that trade off um you know so same thing with kind of like Twitter and stuff to a degree but except that's a little less there cuz I think everything's just public by default but you know those companies that are getting a lot of flack for privacy violations especially facebook let's be honest like it's mostly about facebook nowadays uh, but even google google's had a long history of issues i remember when gmail was new uh and everybody was like why would i you know what about gmail they're making it free and giving you like a gig of space or something like that back in the day and then there were people were like oh they're just going to read our emails in order to target us ads and it's pretty much i thought what they do but <laughs> i always assumed that's what they did and you had to be okay with that trade off because you were getting it for free but Again, their incentives were set up so they give you something for free because somebody else is going to pay for it, and you're paying for it with your personal data. Apple's incentives are set up so you're paying for Apple products with your money, and they don't need or want your data because uh, if they even get your data, then it becomes a liability. As someone who's developed you know software for years, I don't want user data any more than I need because the moment somebody creates some data and puts in your system, especially with some kind of personal nature of, you know, data, then you're responsible for that. You have to secure that. You have to provide uh, appropriate access to it. You have to, like, worry about backs up, backups. You have to worry about regulations of all kinds, depending on the type of data. It's uh, it's, a, it's a, a, a real minefield, you know, so nobody wants to do that. Even a big company like Apple, they want to minimize it. Now, of course, useful software often involves, uh, you know, allowing, you know, sensitive user-generated data, but in general, You know, Apple doesn't want it. They don't need it. Or when they provide software that that take that gets data, they allow you to control it, or they keep it local on the device and they encrypt and they do all this stuff to try to safeguard it and make sure it's in your control and not their control and they're not doing things with it that you don't know about. It actually goes so far that it gets a little bit annoying. Like Apple's for the for developers, Apple has crash reporting, right? But it's opt in. And the fr- it's only a fraction of people that ever opt into this. So if they don't, then you don't get crash reports. Like you don't, you don't get data about uh, about things going on uh, with your app, uh, or even I think certain certain kinds of uh, you know uh, other metrics. You just don't get it because people have to opt in. And it's like um, certain things, like you know, crash reporting. I. I'm not sure it should necessarily be an opt-in, maybe more of an opt-out thing because it's so necessary for you to fix problems. But that's where Apple goes really far. I mean, my point is that Apple goes really far to protect the user because their incentives align you know, with the user to the point where a developer who is a user, yes, but kind of a separate type, special type of user, not the main type of user that they're selling to, uh, where our, our our interests are not always <clears throat> um, as we uh, are not always like catered to as much. So this come this comes up a lot over the years as Apple has kind of closed down access to user data and required more and more permissions and gates in front of it and more friction for you as a developer to access data. And I think that's been great actually. Um, usually it's because some bad actor did something stupid, like upload all the contacts from your phone and so Apple's like oh crap we better close that loophole um and uh but I like the 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 mentality they're coming from though that they care the most about the users and so uh, but then Google and Facebook the thing to remember is that you, you know for Apple the user and the customer are the are synonymous but for Facebook and Google the users other products and the customers are not the same on the bulk of their like revenue generating products like Google, it's still primarily ads, I believe, and that's not, their 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 customers for buying ads are not the people using Gmail and the Google searches, you know, primarily, like, most of those people are not buying ads. Facebook, same thing, it's like ads. It's businesses on there, it's not most of the, you know, everyday people using it. So that's where you have that disconnect, and where my interests don't align with Facebook's interests you know, my interest to keep my data private and only shared with people that I want to share it with, and their interest is selling super hyper-targeted ads, you know, and so then they built technology that allowed parties, uh, you know, third parties to access that data for different purposes, and they, you know, uh, made mistakes, (laughs) you know, or sometimes did things purposely. There were big privacy violations because, you know, why should you care as much about what I think you're you know is is cor- correct or wrong to do with my data when I'm not really your customer, you see so uh I think that's my primary point that I think the big difference between Apple and this article kind of goes into a lot about how apple i think i think it really does show in here that Apple is very different from the rest of the tech world. It's something that I have argued for years now, and I think that with the increased focus on like big tech and on privacy issues especially and on anti-competitive issues I think Apple really does show that they're different especially in the privacy realm now the other kind of half of the article is really more about anti-competitive issues and as I said I think that focuses mostly on the 30% cut that Apple gets when you do things like like a subscription and there's some valid points in there but I think most that's kind of overblown (laughs) honestly like you know, Spotify is complaining really loud about the 30% cut thing, but, you know, they're also a competitor with Apple Music. So, of course, they have a lot of incentive to complain very loudly and have some other entity come in and make things better for them economically, you know? So, it's like they're not completely wrong, but they're also, you have to, get to take all their complaints with a big chunk of salt, you know? <clears throat> uh, you know... And the the issues, and I think I think what's really appropriate uh, that the article gets right is that these issues about anti competitive stuff, especially, are very subtle, and I think they're debatable. I'm not sure the article does; it, it tries to do a pretty good job at, at say at showing that it's debatable, but um, uh, I think it mostly gets there. But maybe it tilts a little bit too hard on Steve Trouton Smith quotes that are that tend to uh, I think tilt it towards the idea that there is real problems on the platform and I think that some of those problems are overblown. You have to read the article to you know to really pick it up, but they're right in the article that it's more subtle than <clears throat> than it appears and I th- and I think it's a lot more subtle than a lot of politicians are making out to be. But like like the instance why is everything have to go through the App Store? Well, I mean again, that is a primarily a privacy thing. I mean, also it helps Apple make a lot of money, but they could also make money by charging you to Get your app signed, like you know, or something else. Like they can they can make money other ways, not just the app store. But it's, you know, that central point of control was necessary in order to provide a platform that was safe by default. Like it was very different when the iPhone came out compared to like a Windows PC at the same time. Uh, maybe people don't all remember this, but I certainly remember because I used to be a like a Windows admin, like desktop support type of guy. And man, like. You know, you couldn't just download software back then. You know, it wasn't safe to do so. You never knew what you were getting often. Uh, you know, especially if it, wasn't, if it wasn't from, like, a really big company or something, like Adobe.com or something like that. Even then, it was easy to get tricked to download things. There was garbage installed on these machines. And you bought them. But Apple was like, no, here's a f- device where no garbage is installed, just apps that, you, that are necessary for the functioning of the device that will provide... And then once they came with the App Store, they're like, everybody can put apps on it, but we got to make sure they're good and uh, not violating a bunch of terms. And those terms have evolved over time. And conflicts have come up as those terms have evolved. But I think without that strong curation and that, that single path to get onto a, at least iPhones, I don't think the, the, the device would have worked as well. Because even look over an Android where it's much easier to like siloed apps and stuff. And they have... Lots of like issues and lots of privacy problems over there, and apps doing nefarious things. Not that they do nefarious things aren't done on iOS platform, but they're harder, I I would argue, to do. And every time they happen, Apple, when they they catch on to it, they clamp down at a system level, make it impossible or more difficult to do that same thing again in the future. So they're always tightening the screws on the uh, bad actors in the community while trying to keep things open as they can for. Um, developers, I think Apple is well aware that they're making trade-offs and I think that they are making those trade-offs in good faith. And uh, that's why uh, I I think they are kind of a step above most of the other, you know, tech companies that are of similar size. Because I never really doubt that their motivations. <clears throat> uh, even when sometimes they do things that annoy me. <laughs> Or they, like, failed to provide some feature that I think, you know, is obvious. Something like that, you know. So I like this article is what I'm saying. Uh, It's already going a little long for this podcast, so I don't want to keep belaboring it. Uh, It's a good article. Again, it talks about privacy, Apple's image, how they're differentiating themselves from other companies. and talks a little bit about the kind of debate about whether or not Apple is doing some subtle anti-competitive issues especially around the 30% cut, and uh, how it's subtle because it all kind of interconnects, that it's kind of the consequence of decisions that are, that if you assume, I think, and I'm assuming this, that are made in good faith to protect user privacy and such, that these decisions then lead to these issues where you have this big successful platform that is somewhat uh, anti-competitive in a Subtle, subtly defined way in certain areas, and I think I'm saying it that way because I think all of these areas are very, very debatable. And I have had debates about this stuff before with people. If you want to have a debate with me about anything in this article, here's my my segue to the end of the episode. Here, uh, if you would like to, then you can get in touch with me online at Twitter at Stolten. uh You can email me through a, a web form at the website and find the archive of the old episodes and everything com, And, you know, if you want to debate me to my face, you can always come to Side Project Saturday. We do the last Saturday of every month at PromptWorks. Make sure you uh, go to meetup.com, look for Philly Coca, and then RSVP over there for Side Project Saturday so you can come and, and work with other developers at the brand new PromptWorks headquarters that I just had a tour of today. It is beautiful, it is gorgeous, it's huge now there's so much more space uh and the coffee machine looks great anyway <clears throat> it's gonna be good times so make sure if you're interested go to meetup.com find philly coca rsvp for the cyber Project saturday meetup and pay attention to it because uh all the information on that page right now is about to change because uh Promptworks just moved their headquarters so i haven't updated the meetup page yet but it will be updated soon so so there you go so I'm going to leave, again, the link to this article in the show notes because it's really, a it's well worth reading. And I think it's a very fair, you know, assessment of this. And uh, kudos to Steve Trout Smith for getting quoted like umpteen times in here. and Everybody else too. But it's like, you know, if you're the guy, the quote, the, the article ends with your quote, like you're the main, you're the main quoter, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so good on him for getting those quotes. Uh, and it's, uh, and if you don't follow him, you should probably follow him on Twitter. He's an interesting guy. I don't always, uh, agree with everything he says <laughs> because, uh, you know, I'm a human being and we all have different opinions about stuff, but he's a cool guy and he does really crazy stuff with the technology. Like he was way ahead of everybody on finding out all kinds of, of stuff and, uh, and, uh, that became Project Catalyst. Uh, you know, the, it was called Marzipan until WWC and like, he was like doing, things that were like mind blowing <laughs> with uh before wwc so he's a cool guy uh to follow on twitter so uh i'll probably put a uh i'll probably put a link to his twitter in the uh, show notes as well cuz he's a cool guy uh i don't know him at all at all i just i think he, i think the stuff that he's done is cool i assume he's a cool guy but i you know you know form your own opinion <laughs> <laughs> it's late i gotta go to i gotta go to bed i got like a busy weekend believe it or not so that's gonna be it for this daily cron for uh friday june twenty first twenty nineteen have a great weekend talk to you next time later